This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Sorry I didn't do a show last week. Things happen. Whatever. I did a show every week in in, in October. So, you know, some improvement. So this will be a little bit of my, uh, well, I guess all of my uh, Halloween wrap-up. Uh, as you will recall, if you listen to the last show, that uh, I was concerned uh, about how many kids would show up for trick-or-treating. Uh, we, when Amy and I first moved into where we currently live, 22 years ago, coming up on, is that what it is? Um, that first Halloween that we had, we were shocked at how many kids showed up. It was like 120, 130 years. It was huge. And each year after that, it was about the same, anywhere from like 100 to 120. But then it began to peter off a little bit. So you get more like 70 to 80 or something. Pandemic hits in and you barely anybody then and then uh uh the the year after the pandemic you know once the vaccines were in in place and this would be this would have been the halloween before this last one we got like 12 or 13 kids so i was thinking i don't know are we gonna get a lot has the neighborhood aged out Uh, what are we doing well um we got about about 55 uh, I say about, you know, give or take one or two, because I lost track of count of some, a couple of the bigger groups that came through. Uh, I think there was ten in that one, but it might have been nine. I don't know. It's just, it was, it's, I lost track. So that part of it was, hey, that's nice. You know, 55 kids, that's not so bad. You know, it's, it's more like it's closer to what it used to be. It's, yeah, it's a little off. Did have to shut down a little bit early because uh, my son... Uh, he goes to school in Minneapolis, and he yes, he's a young adult, but does does not drive. He uh, he just he doesn't do it yet. You know, I don't know. You know, I didn't get my license until I was 22. So what are you, you going to do? Uh, I didn't need it. I had friends that drove. I took the bus. Whatever. So anyway, uh, Hayden sends me a text saying, "Come pick me up. <laughs> you can come get me early." At about quarter to eight, and I, okay, fine. So I shut everything down, and. Uh, went out to pick them up. So maybe I would have had a handful more, maybe close to 60 by that, maybe. Um, but Amy, Amy says, because Amy doesn't do it. She doesn't, you know, she hates kids and she just can't stand giving candy and anybody to herself. But no, no, I'm, I'm kidding there. Uh, she, you know, she just doesn't, you know, you know, dealing with the dog and with that, you know, it would be a little handful for her, I guess. So, so I take care of it. Anyway, so um, <clears throat> went and picked up Hayden, and yeah. But she, Amy said that it seemed like everything quieted down in the neighborhood. She didn't hear a lot of trick or treat calls or anything like that. So that was the positive. Now, if you're a Facebook friend of mine, you know that I posted about this uh, on the night. So it was, it was what about quarter after seven, twenty after seven. And I had I actually had a group coming up the steps. Now my house is on a corner, and it's up on a little bit of a hill. So there's a, you know there's a set of about like six steps, and then another step of three, another set of three steps up to the porch. So there's there's a group coming. It's like seven or eight kids, three or four adults, and two dogs. I'm accurate on the dogs. <laughs> there were two dogs. Uh, now not everybody's going to come up to the door, but. One or two of the adults were helping a little, the littler of the kids to come up the steps, and then and they and they were just getting 
to the door when I heard a sound in the distance that sounded like a little pop. You know, a report of some sort. You know, I thought, I, at that first one, I didn't even really think of it. Then there was a second one, another pop, another report. And I, I thought, firecrackers? Bottle rockets? That, that's kind of going in my head because that could be what it is. You know, in that neighborhood, we got people that like to light off fireworks all year round for some reason. Although I was surprised that they didn't do it on Halloween. Uh, so maybe they'd run out or maybe, I don't know. Uh, so that's, that's starting to go through my head. Now, I'm not going to have the chronology of all this absolutely correct. Memory is not videotaped, so this is just as best as I can put it together. I think then I heard a series of pops, pop, 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 kind of like that. And it was at that point that myself and the other adults that were out on the steps with this group of kids, we all began to think, uh-oh, is that what, you know, is that gunfire? And at about that moment, uh, I, from where, from where I am in my porch, at, you know, when I, where I was, I could look out. I could see down to the next block. It's a fairly busy street on the next block. I can see cars driving through the, you know, by that intersection. Like I said, I'm up on the corner, so I can, you know, I get a good view. And at first we heard a vehicle roaring along, and then we see this SUV come through the intersection heading east at, I mean, the speed limit in St. Paul, I think, is 25 now. It might be still 30, I don't know. But... Uh, miles per hour for those of you who live in kilometer areas. Anyway, uh, there, they, this vehicle is going, I don't know, 50, 60. It's really booking, which they have to be careful because a couple blocks further east, that street takes a sharp turn to the uh, to the north. It's a sharp turn, and uh, and there ain't no other way to go. You don't go. You just you have to turn. Uh, but anyway. I didn't see a second vehicle, but but from what I learned later, there were two vehicles chasing each other, or one chasing the other, and they were shooting at each other. That's right. When that thing come flying by, then we heard a whole series of pop, 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 pop. Now, at some point here in, in this little bit, uh, one of the adults says to the, you know, let's get, you know, hide behind, let's get in the backyard. And I, 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 yes, yes, come up to the backyard. So I start directing them, go around here, go around here, you know, just, it's right through there. So the whole, you know, they, they gather the kids, they get them up, the other adults, the two dogs. I was sure there was two dogs. I'm sure there were two dogs. They all pile along the side of my house. And, you know, uh, and they're 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 between the side of my house and a fence that uh, separates our yard from our next door neighbor's yard, so they're just kind of huddled in there. Um, at long about this point, where they're gathering people up to to you know gathering their group to get around to the side of the house, I start thinking to myself, "Hey, I should call the police." And uh, that's when I see another three adults, I think, coming across the the street. Uh, I don't know if they were with the same group. But there's a, there's a woman on her phone, and I can hear some of the stuff she's saying. It sounds like she's talking to the cops. So I call over to her, and I say, are you calling the police? And she says, yes, I am. And I said, fine, that means I don't have to call because you're already taking care of it. So, all right. So within moments, police sirens are heard, and then the police cars are coming by and, and, and all that. So then I, uh, uh, I figure, well, it's you know, Amy's saying, get off the porch, <laughs> which I probably should have done. But uh, I thought, okay, it seems like it's quiet now. Like the, the bad people have made their way on and, uh, and, and the police are now, you know, on, on their tail. Um, I might as well finish giving out candy. So I grab the candy. I go around to where they're all still huddled. And I say, okay, everybody, um, you know, I might as well give, you some, you know, give the rest of the kids the candy. Because I think I only got candy to one or two of the kids. So I said, who didn't get candy? And they all, of course, all of them said they didn't get candy. <laughs> All the kids. So I'm sure somebody got a double dose for me, but that's fine. I don't care. So I hand out the candy, and and everybody say, you know, oh, thank you so much, and, you know, for doing this. I said, oh, no problem. And then they say, okay, I think we, I think the coast is clear. Let's. So they go back out, and they start to head, you know, head out back. I don't know if they decided, okay, let's go home, or let's keep trick-or-treating. I don't know what they decided to do. And one of the little girls turns to me and says, gracias. 
you know, and I said, I said, you're welcome. And she said, no, no, you know, and, and I said, oh, oh, you're right. They nada. And she says, all right, right. And then off she goes. Now, it wasn't uh, uh, a whole group of Hispanic speaking people, I think. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But for whatever reasons, in fact, I don't even think she was Hispanic. She just turned around and said, the, gracias. I don't know. Anyway, that was a nice exchange. Well, uh, they said, thank you again. And, and I said, well, everybody be careful and watch the hill and all that kind of stuff. And one of the people, one of the adults turned to me and says, you know, you know, back in the day, you used to decide this stuff with fistfights. <laughs> you know, what happened to the day when people settled their disputes with their fists? What happened to those days? I mean, this is, I, I felt sickened by this. I said, you know, if this is asinine, uh, horrible behavior, no matter what night it is. I mean, just to, to, to be so selfish, to be so uh, led by your emotions that somebody does some wrong to you, and I don't know what wrong this person could have possibly done, but I don't, whatever, it doesn't seem like chasing them down in your car and exchanging gunfire is a smart thing to do. I, I just, you know, and, but to, so any other night of the year would be horrible enough, but on Halloween? That's insane! There are kids all over the place. Have you no sense of anybody? Oh, that's right. They don't have any sense of anybody other than themselves. It's it's a selfish, childish. I, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I don't. I don't know. I'm not trained to know. But it's just why. It doesn't make any sense. So after I, you know, everything quiets down, I I went over and talked to a neighbor. And she had some information about this. Uh, somehow, I think her daughter might have be might be one of these people that listen to police scanners or something. Had this somehow they had some of this information that it was it was two cars. They were chasing each other. They were this started off way down that 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 street that we saw them. You know, saw the, at least I saw the one vehicle racing down. It started way down uh, down that, and it was going for a you know for a distance. This was happening for quite a while. And apparently, and I don't know how that information was gotten, but you know, somehow they got it. And I says, "Well, it's crazy." Well, and I went out, and picked up Hayden. I told him about what had happened. Got him home, and I put yeah, you know, put on the ten o'clock news. Nothing, not a peep, nothing. I thought, huh, interesting. Maybe it happened too, you know, too close to news time, and they just didn't have uh, any information on it yet. Uh, hadn't heard about it yet, but I thought there was a whole gaggle of reporters out there that what they do is listen to police scanners to, to you know, to find out if something's going on and, and to get onto the scene and, and check it out. But maybe they don't. <laughs> maybe that's something they used to do. Maybe that's just something I saw in movies. I don't know. So, the next morning, I check online. I look for news about this this occurrence and nothing, nothing. There was uh, shootings uh, in in, in uh, I think it was uh, Chicago and I think I want to say it was Kansas City, in which twenty people were injured and one person was killed. You know, so there was some shootings that happened that Halloween night, but nothing about what happened locally. Nothing in the local newspapers websites. Nothing there. I know someone who is a reporter for one of the local papers. So I reached out to that person. I know this person because uh, they are the parent of uh, a classmate, a uh, former classmate of my son's you know, uh, from grade school through middle school. And we got to know this person, my, my wife and I. So we, we you know, and my, and my son used to hang out with their kid. So, you know, we, we kind of got to know each other. So I reached out to them saying, hey, this happened last night, it gave them the rundown, and I said, but I'm not seeing anything news, have you heard anything about it? They reached back to me, uh, this was texting, they te texted back to me saying, hey, uh, give me your cell phone number, we were going through, uh, uh, like, Facebook Messenger, that, that, that thing, so I got this, this, my cell phone number to them, and they responded saying that uh, a different reporter would, uh, might get a hold of me. Well, nothing. Heard nothing. Maybe Monday I'll, I'll reach out to this person again and say, hey, I never did hear anything. It makes me wonder. 
You know, because I'm sure that nobody was hurt. If somebody had been hurt, especially if a kid was shot or hit by one of the speeding cars, there would have been news. This would have been big. This would have been news. And you know by dinner hour the next day, November 1st, there would be ads sponsored by Republicans saying, about, oh, see how Minnesota is, you know, run by Democrats, and this is what's going on. They get, you know, some kid was out trick-or-treating, got shot because, uh, you know, Governor Waltz and whoever, you know, the mayor of St. Paul and, uh, you know, all the Democrats run everything, don't know how, you know, that, that's what they would do. But I didn't see that. I didn't hear anything about it. So my guess is that nobody was hurt. Uh, and then I, there's a part of me, maybe it's a little cynical bit, that thinks, okay, this goes back to you know my more conservative days, and when I would listen to you know right wing talk radio, and there would be the this the bias, the liberal bias in the news media, which I think there might still it just depends which media you're talking about, which outlet are you talking about, you know some sure some lean left, some lean right, some lean way left, some lean way right, you know. Some are pretty middle, so we, you know, it depends on who you're talking about. But uh, it, I, I just had that thinking of like, oh, this is this would be inconvenient news for the libs in the newsrooms to cover, because uh, this would you know this would be bad just before an election to be you know, to have this story getting out there. Now I don't know that that's part of it, but the, my my cynical, you know, from my leftover from my conservative days, the idea popped in my head: is, is this why? Is this why I never heard anything from the reporter? Is this why there's been nothing? My dad's not seen anything in the paper. He still gets the paper. Is this why? Oh, find it curious. How was your Halloween? Uh, speaking of a red wave. Do I have enough time to do this? I'm going to do this really quick. Uh, the elections took place. Now, I'm not some great political thinker or anything like that. I, uh, A week or two before the election, I had posted on Facebook that I had the sinking feeling there was going to be a red wave. But a lot of people had that feeling. There's going to be a red wave. The Republicans are going to, you know, they're, going to, they're just going to clean house. Both houses, the House and the Senate, they're going to clean chambers, whatever. They're going to they're going to take over, and then it's a good night, nurse. All your rights are going to be taken away. They're going to roll back gay marriage. They're going to they're going to make abortion illegal from you know the moment dad came. You know, it's like that's what they're going to do. And maybe not. Maybe it wouldn't have been that horrible. And one of the first things the Republicans would do if they took over the Senate is get rid of the filibuster. That would be the one. The Democrats couldn't muster it to get rid of the filibuster, which is not in the Constitution. It's just some rule they came up with at some point. It's some kind of thing they showed that came up with late in the, you know, I mean, I don't know. The government had been established for quite a while before some said, hey, let's do this thing called a filibuster. I don't know. Anyway... The Democrats couldn't muster getting rid of it, but the Republicans certainly would have. I, at least that's what I think. So, just some takeaways. It was more of a red ripple, I've heard it called. It, it, the, the Republicans did not do as well as was assumed. And generally, during a midterm election, the opposing party to the president's party uh, it does better because Americans like parity for some reason. Oh, I only own too much power in one party. <laughs> Don't want that. Uh, but apparently the Gen, Gen Z kids were motivated to vote. They came out in droves. Women were motivated to vote. Uh, younger women and, they, and un, unmarried women, apparently, uh, voted very Democrat. Uh, and, yeah, uh, it, it, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the craziest member of Congress has uh, retained her seat. And Lauren Boebert, the stupidest member of Congress, may have retained her seat. Uh, it looks like she's going to, but for a while there, it looked like she was going to lose. But, yeah, that's how, that's how it goes. The vote takes time to count. It takes time. So we, yeah. Uh, as it stands right now... Uh, it seems as though the Republicans will have a, a slim majority in the House. Okay, that was kind of expected. But 
the Democrats could hold the Senate. And they, it, depending on how Nevada goes at this point and depending on how the runoff goes in Georgia, if the Democrat takes Nevada and if the Democrat takes Georgia, then the Democrats will have a 51 majority in the, in the Senate, a true majority, not a tie with the tiebreaker being the vice president. Which leans, which you know, leans for the Democrats, and that is astonishing. And so, so that's good. And another good thing of this is that uh, Dr. Oz, America's Quack, lost to John Fetterman. That's good. Uh, but I think possibly the best aspect of this is watching the Fox News pundits turn on Trump, turn on fearless loser. That is possibly the best aspect of this whole thing, uh, is that because his backed candidates did not do well at all. It was the more reasonable Republicans that were that, that have won, uh, with the exception, of course, of Marjorie Taylor Greene, and probably Lauren Boebert. But you know, the crazy and the stupid aside. The more reasonable Republicans did better than, than the the Trump-backed ones. And Trump is a loser. He lost the popular vote in 2016. He lost the midterms in 2018. He lost the popular vote and the electoral vote in 2020. He lost. He's a, he's a loser. And now he's helped the Republicans not win as much to lose a bunch to, so that their their majority making is slim in the House and maybe not even existent, maybe not even going to happen in the, in the Senate. So this guy's a loser, and so and the Republicans are now maybe going to be breaking from him and turning to DeSantis from Florida, who did really well. And here at home, Minnesota is all blue. I think before the elections, if I'm remembering correctly, we of course we had a Democrat for a governor. He was running for re-election. He won. Uh, we had the Democrats held the House, uh, and you know, at, before the election, they still hold it now, and they gained the Senate in the state. So Minnesota's really blue right now, and for me, I like that idea. I think that's good. What also is good is my being able to take a break. Yes, I like to take a break, rest the voice, and all that. So uh, uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network, and I'm your host, Jim Doctor Dimfit Simmons. I will return after this break. that beats all the competition and we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition you're listening to z-talk radio network remember there's no hugging in the chat room you're listening to dimland radio on z-talk radio network Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Getting some Z's. Getting some Z's. Getting some Z's. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen to Z Talk Radio. On ZTalkRadio.com.
And welcome back to Dimland Radio and the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Okay, uh, let's, since we are, I've dispensed with the unpleasantness, let's, let's talk about the pleasantness. Let's talk about something that's, that's, that's more interesting. Well, I don't know if it's more interesting, but at least isn't horrible. Like, you know, shootings on Halloween and politics. I found a, uh, a YouTube channel. I believe it's called Watch It For Days. I believe that's what they call the channel. It's a, it's a woman that I guess I gather she's in her 30s. Uh, she's, uh, uh, because I think at some point she mentions being in her, in her 30s. However, she sounds like she's, I don't know, 20? <laughs> it's hard to get, it's, it's hard to get. I'm old. I'm going to be older. I mean, I, every day I get older, of course. And you do too. But I'm going to be clicking over to another number this, this Monday. Yes, I'm going to turn 58. Astrologers, put your charts away. 58. I mean, I, I can see 60 from where I'm standing. It's right over there. Yeah, sure. Looks like it's kind of far now, but, you know, the fact that I can see it. Oh, boy. So, anyway. <clears throat> uh... This, uh, uh, I, I don't know if she does other stuff, but right now, what she's doing is uh, reviews of the Columbo series. Now, have I, t have I told you how much I really like the Columbo series? I think I have. I think I've talked about it in the past, but I'm going to talk about it again. I really like the Columbo series. Not every episode. And when I, 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 I'm not being fair, because I haven't seen much of the, you know, the, the 80s and beyond, uh, version of Columbo. I haven't seen much of that. I'm talking about the 70s Columbo. Peter Falk, who's like 40 when the series started or something like that, uh, you know, establishing this character and and doing this this great, uh, you know, how catch him. That's what uh, they call it, I, I guess. Because for most of the episodes of the original run of of Columbo, which was seven seasons, it was he was part of a he was part of a, a a movie night mystery on one of the networks I forget which, and NBC I think and I forget which. There would be this this you know, like Sunday night mystery or something like that, and it was a rotating uh, sh rotating shows. So when he started, there was it was Columbo. And there's McMillan and wife, and I think uh, McLeod would be that, and and there were there were others, and those shows would would rotate, uh, and <clears throat> Columbo was the the most popular of them. Although McMillan and wife was fairly popular, McLeod was fairly popular, but Columbo was the king of the of that that uh, mystery series, and 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 it worked well for Columbo be, uh, for P Peter Falk because. It wasn't doing a week after week after week series. It would be you do six or seven episodes for the season, and then you know, so he had a little more time to do work in Hollywood or on stage or stuff like that, work in film or on stage. So it wasn't as huge a commitment. So this this person that does the that does the series she goes through she reviews the episode she talks about what's happened she she does a lot of background information in fact a lot she gives background information on background actors actors that aren't credited people that show up in episode after episode after episode of Columbo just somebody standing in line somebody that's uh, one of the other detectives or a cop on the scene somebody that's a construction worker or something there's always these these people in the background and she would be able to figure out who these people were, find a list of, of shows that they've been in as uncredited extras, and she mentions them. And, and, and that I find that to be really uh, uh, interesting how she does it. I don't know how she manages to track all that stuff down, but she does. And so, I mean, she could be lying. She could just be making it up, but I don't... I get the feeling that she's not. I mean, I'm not that skeptical. I'm willing to accept it. She's not making great extraordinary claims, so I'm willing to take her word on on on, on this stuff. And it, she uh, she gives you know background information about what was going on during the season, 
uh, that first season, Peter Falk really wanted to direct one of the one of the Columbos. He really he, he was promised by the producers, yeah, we'll we'll let you direct one. And uh, he they re- he really wanted to, and they weren't letting him. They weren't letting him. They weren't giving him the go. And so he started to protest by not showing up. And you need Columbo to show up because I mean he's the star. So and and this is what the YouTube channel person does. Uh, she points out something that I never noticed, but now I will. That there are times when there's a stand-in for for Peter Falk. He's just got his back to the camera, uh, and you know you don't you don't see him uh you don't see the face he just and you don't even didn't don't even think about oh wait a minute that's not that's not him well now i will because she points out and it seems like oh yeah i should have caught that because you know there there's you know there he is so um and she gives that kind of information she all but but she was talking about how he you know he wants to direct an episode, so he finally does get to do one, and it's uh, called uh, Blueprint for Murder. I think it was the last episode that aired for that first season, and, and it was a difficult one to direct because it was a lot of uh, uh, location shooting, and, and in particular, the location was a construction site, uh, which was an actual construction site. They were putting up like a parking ramp or something, and she shows, she even shows. The ramp that's there, or whatever ended up being there, she shows that today, what it looks like. She shows parts of old Hollywood and what's there now. She finds stuff on Google Maps to show you this is what's there now. But this right there in that spot, that's where Columbo's car was parked. There's all these neat little things. They're just neat. They're just really neat. And uh, so um, she's. Yeah, uh, there's a, and she also has. This is the thing I wanted to point out that she also has a, a little bit of uh, a sense of humor that's a, a little sly, it's a little subtle. She'll throw in these little lines here and there, and I, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, in that episode that that Peter Falk directed, uh, they're they're on the construction site, and there are these construction dudes. And uh, that we see through, you know, throughout the scenes taking place there, and one of them is shirtless, working on stuff, doing whatever, shirtless. He's got a helmet on, he's got the jeans, you know, the construction look, and he's shirtless. Now I don't know that OSHA would allow construction guys, construction workers, to be shirtless, but maybe they do, and maybe they did then, maybe they don't now. I don't know. I should ask my dad. My dad worked in construction for I don't know 50 years. I, I, I just, I just. Do, they, do, you, do you really let the guys have no shirt on while they're working? It seems like that's uh, doesn't seem like that's a um, you know like a good thing to do. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if it's a safety thing. Anyway, so she makes a joke of it because because the guy shows up again in a scene, and <laughs> uh, she points him out. She says, "Shirtless construction man is still working on his tan and other work-related injuries." So, you know, I find that to be a nice, dry, sly bit of humor that, that she threw in there. And I find that to be uh, pretty funny. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, <laughs> I do have a pedantic moment that is related to this YouTube series. Uh, she she does an episode, uh, a review of the episode called Short Fuse, which is one of my favorites. It's not a great episode of Columbo. It's got an excellent reveal at the end. Um, oh, I, I should probably continue the thought about Columbo being a how to catch him, not because, and not a whodunit, because we know who did the murder for most of those episodes. There's one where you don't, and that's the worst episode of Columbo ever that I've seen. It's called The Last Salute to the Commodore. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's a terrible episode. It was the last episode made for that season, and they and, and they didn't think they were going to be renewed. And so, yeah, it's just they tried something, and it's the humor doesn't doesn't land as well as other episodes. Columbo is out of character. My son, when he was younger. He had seen some Columbo shows, and then he's watching this one, and he said to my to my wife, he, he says, Columbo's mean in this. 
He's mean. And it, yeah, kind of. And <clears throat> it's just, ugh. And, but that, that's the one episode where we think we know who the murderer is until the person that we think is the murderer is himself murdered. <laughs> so it's a mystery. It, it, so it really is a whodunit, which doesn't work for Columbo. Colum the, the, what works for Columbo and why it works, one is Peter Falk is excellent as Columbo. The character is excellent. The other thing is, is because we know who the murderer is, and it's the, the fun in the episode, the entertainment of the episode, is watching Columbo figure it out and manipulate the murderer into a situation where, it's, where they're busted, where he catches them at it. You know, the, I gotcha. The gotcha moment. And some of the gotchas are really good. So, I mean, in that blueprint for murder, the murderer is the architect uh, uh, that's, that's, that wants to, who's working on this building, and he wants to uh, use the money of this rich tycoon fellow to build a city. He'll name it after this guy. But the guy was, you know, the rich guy was out in Europe, and the architect was conniving with the wife of the rich guy. And she thinks the idea is brilliant, so let's do it. Well, the rich guy says, no, I don't want you spending my money like that. You know? And so uh, it would have been an ambitious, uh, very uh, lucrative project for the architect. So he decides to kill the, 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 the rich guy because, and make, it, make his body disappear so he's never found. And that way they can't prove that he's dead and the, the, the wife can you know, approve all the funding. Uh, of this, otherwise, <clears throat> if they show that he is dead, she gets a trust. She gets she gets plenty of money, but she doesn't have the kind of money needed to finance this great big city. Excuse me, I need to take a sip. Otherwise, I'm going to start coughing. <clears throat> oh boy, this is what you do when it's live radio type stuff that I'm doing here. So anyway, so he has this idea. That, you know, so he kills them, kills the guy, hides him in some stable somewhere. He's got these horse stables. He hides him there. And then he maneuvers Columbo into uh, digging up a, and, and a, a pile that's meant to hold up this building that's being built. To dig it up, jackhammer it all out. It's all made of concrete. And to find that there's no body in there. So, okay. And so then, once they've already checked that spot, he then says, then that night he swings back. He's humiliated Columbo. He swings back with the body to dump it into that area. So the next day when they re-pour the pile, you know, the body's buried. Nobody ever finds him. Only thing is, Columbo figured it out. And when the guy shows up in the construction site, he catches him. It's a nice gotcha. And it's great. So there's, that's what's so fun about Columbo. But anyway, <clears throat> the pedantic moment is that, and I, I feel bad about this. I, 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 I usually say I'm not at, as bad as some people think I am with my pedantry, but eh, maybe I am. Uh, she, she does a review of the show Short Fuse. And that's when it stars Roddy McDowell. He's the murderer. And it's fun. Uh, Roddy McDowell's great in it. And there is a great reveal at the end. It's not one of the better Columbos, but it's, I really like it. It's one of my favorites. And, oh, sorry, tap the thing. Sorry. Uh, so there's a uh, part of what she does in some of these in her deal is it's you know she examines the, the she she lets you know about the careers of the other actors in the film. Hey, this is so and so. They were born in this year. The, the they're best known for you know you might know them from these series or this movie. They're best known for this. You know she'll do that kind of stuff. And she discovered in, when doing this review of Short Fuse that there were a ton of actors in there that also appeared in the Twilight Zone. So she starts listing them, and as she's listing the actors that appeared in the Twilight Zone, she would put up a still image of that actor in the role they played on the Twilight Zone. Right? So Peter Falk played this uh, 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 Fidel Castro-type character in an episode, so she puts that up there, and then was others. She, she puts up the pictures of them, and she gets to one actor named Lou Brown. Not a very well-known actor. Uh, I don't, you know, I'd never heard of him before. She says, Lou Brown was in an episode. And the picture she shows is of Russell Johnson. 
it's not Lou Brown. I mean, I don't know what Lou Brown looks like, but I do know what Russell Johnson looks like, and so do you if you know Gilligan's Island because Russell Johnson played the professor. And he was in an episode of of uh, the Twilight Zone. He was in two, actually, but the one that she's focused on was the one where he's the star of the episode. He's a fellow that goes back in time. I think the episode's called Back There. He goes back in time, and he discovers that he's uh, gone back to April 14th, 1865, which is the day that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, and there he is in Washington, and he's trying to prevent the assassination. And that's the... And the things happen, whatever, in in the Twilight zone thing. So I threw up a pedantic moment in the comments, and I said, you know, when you're showing the... I said that uh, you show Russell Johnson... In in the picture, or I said that Russell Johnson was never in an episode of Columbo, and you show him in the Twilight Zone little thing. And she said, "I didn't say Russell Johnson was." In. I, said, I, I said, "Let me be clear." I responded to her. I said, "Let me. I got to be clear." When you were showing pictures of people who are in the Twilight Zone, you mentioned Lou Brown, but while you were talking about Lou Brown, you were showing a picture of Russell Johnson, and Russell Johnson has never been in an episode of Columbo, at least not one that I'm aware of. Not in the '70s ones, maybe later, but I don't think so. And then she said, oh, I get it. And then I, and then I kind of apologized. And I said, I, you know, you spend a lot of time putting these things together. And here I do this pedantry thing and just points out, I'm sorry. And she says, oh, you're sweet, but that's okay. So that's nice. <clears throat> However, I, 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 well, I hesitate to say anything to her, and I probably won't, but when she mentions uh, uh, one of the actors in another episode that they played the role of Wyatt Earp in some movie or TV show, she pronounces Earp. Earp. Hmm. I'll be back after this break. You listen to Dimland Radio. Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Have you ever wondered what skeptics are up to in countries where English is not necessarily the first language? Or are you interested to learn about some fascinating and sometimes very bizarre Europe-related facts, events or people from history of skepticism? Or do you just want to know who's been really wrong lately? You can find out all about that and more on the award-winning show The ESP, the The European European Skeptics Podcast. So, where can people find the show? You can find it online at theesp.eu, but you can also follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, or like us on Facebook. Oh, and you can contact the show by sending an email to info at theesp.eu. If you want to subscribe, do a quick search for the European Skeptics Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get to your podcast. The European Skeptics Podcast. The real ESP experience. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. We give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. That song there was uh, one of my favorite songs by Duran Duran called Girls on Film. And I'm going to talk about Duran Duran. Actually, I'm going to talk about my wife's experience with Duran Duran recently. Now, I think I've talked about, uh, I know I've talked about uh, some of this already, but I'm going to kind of bring you around here. 
um, <clears throat> back in June, I think it was, or August, August, back in August, uh, uh, my wife and her friend from years and years ago, uh, her friend's sister and another friend of her friend's, the four of them uh, were going to see Duran Duran perform at Treasure Island Hotel and Casino uh, here in Minnesota. A little bit south of the Twin Cities, I think it is. And it's in an amphitheater, so it's outdoors. Uh, the four of them, they, they, got them, they got a room at the, at the hotel, and, and so they're going to spend the night. They have a girls' night out. It was going to be great. And they were going to see Duran Duran. They all love Duran Duran. Uh, and uh, it turns out that in our drought-ridden <laughs> uh, condition up here in the, in the upper Midwest, which we've been in kind of drought conditions for, for a while now, uh, took a break to rain and have some thunder and lightning on that day. So the show was canceled. It was, you know, they were... First, it was like, well, we're going to have to postpone this. We're going to have to do it some other time. And then the next day, they announced that they would not be able to reschedule a show. So they were refunded their money, uh, except for the hotel room. But they did have a good time, the four of them. They had a good time, but disappointed there wasn't a show. Well, then my wife and her friend start to say, you know, damn it, we want to see Duran Duran. <laughs> Where are they playing? So they start looking, and they, they find two concerts uh, or two places that they're going to be playing coming up. One fairly quickly in September out in L.A. at the Hollywood Bowl. The other one was also going to be in L.A. This was going to be in November. Uh, so, they, so they had the two, and they were trying to figure out which they should go to. Uh, they, they were, you know, the Hollywood Bowl would be cool to see a show there of Duran Duran, but the one in November, all five of the original members were going to be there because it was part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing. They didn't quite understand exactly what that meant at that point. I'll get to it in a bit. But, yeah, so they, they, they just like, which one do we do? Which one do we do? And, well, they decided to do both. Let's go to both. Okay. Now, it was a, it's, it's you know, it's a fairly expensive for us. And, and I bristled a little bit, but then I thought, you know, over the 21 years that Amy and I have been married, we've not done big, expensive things very often. Uh, you know, and even when we did the big, expensive type thing, we did it as economically as we could. We got some help from family. You know, for, for Hayden's 13th birthday, I, I, I asked uh, Grant, the, my parents and then my brothers and sisters, hey, you know, if you want to get a gift for Hayden, just give us money. We want to take on, we want to go on a trip. And we're going to go out to South Dakota and do some stuff out there. And that's, so we got a little money to help do that as a birthday present for Hayden, and it was cool. But that was, we haven't done big things. So when you amortize the cost of what this was, out over the 21 years, it's really, it's not that much. And I'm glad that, that Amy did this. So, you know, the, it's expensive part of me that bristles is, is calmed by the part that says this was good. This isn't all that much when you consider it in the long run. And it was a good experience for your wife. It's to get out and go do something. And it was good. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, so the first trip they took, they went out there on a Thursday. They stayed Friday, Saturday, come back on Sunday. And uh, Friday night was the concert at the Hollywood Bowl. And what did they decide after that? They said they had some plans for the next day. They said, you know what? Duran Duran is playing again at the Hollywood Bowl Saturday. Let's see if we can get tickets. So they went and saw them a second time and had a great time. And it was great. So they come home and they're all excited about that. That happened to be the same night when they came home. It was 9-11. Never forget. That was the day that Edna got attacked by a dog. Yeah. Anyway, so I talked all about it. She's fine. Edna's fine. A little barky the last couple of days. We don't know why. Anyway. Uh, so then, they've already, you know, booked uh, everything for, the, for that next time in November. November 5th. Which happens to be the anniversary of when Amy and I met each other. November 5th, 1999. So, you know, 23 years of knowing each other. Anyway. Uh... But they began to realize more about what was what that was going to be. It was a Hall of Fame thing. No, no, it was the induction ceremony for this year's inductees 
into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was the ceremony that they went to to, to witness. That's what it was. And that, I mean, that's how cool is that? Now, I'm going to list some performers here that were involved in all this. They're not all my cup of tea. And, and Amy's either. You know, they're not all in the kind of thing that I would go see them in concert if they were coming here to the Twin Cities. I No, I'm not going to go see them in concert. But if I saw them at something, I would still think it's kind of cool. I might think they're lame, quote-unquote lame, because they're not quite the music that I'm into. But it would still be cool. Case in point, Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie was there. Amy doesn't really care for Lionel Richie. I like a couple few songs, like some of his stuff with the Commodores, like some of his solo stuff, but I'm not, you know, I'm not into the guy. But that was cool to see Lionel Richie. That that's cool. Um, you know, and 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 it's so okay. Let I'll just you know, you'll see, I'm sure you'll see advertising. It's going to be on HBO Max. I guess that Amy showed me a trailer. I'll put that on the show notes page, which you can get to by going to dimland.com. Click on the show notes option. You'll get to the show notes page. I'll link to or put on the, uh, or embed the uh, trailer for the uh, HBO Max uh, special for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing. My, my wife was there. So here's the deal. Okay, so they went to they went there to see Duran Duran. Duran, uh, each of the inductees or most of the inductees uh, got up and did uh, three songs. I mean, there was a couple people inducted into the Hall of Fame that were you know the business guy, the business end of things that that got in there. But uh, and Carly Simon uh, was inducted, but she couldn't attend for whatever reason. You know, she's older, I'm sure. Uh, she couldn't attend, but there was somebody that would perform some of her songs for you know as part of the as part of the deal. So they they go to see Duran Duran there. Now they were disappointed that all five members weren't there because Andy Taylor, who had been out of the band for quite a long a long time, um, he he was going to be there with him. He he announced he was he bought himself a new guitar to be part of this. He was looking forward to it. Any animosities that the guys had with each other, with you know, but that he had toward them or them toward him, was all gone. He just but he's been he's been dealing with prostate cancer for some time now. And it's, you know, it's metastasized, but it's still slow moving. But his doctors are saying, no, you're not going to be able to do this. He was able to do stuff, you know, concert type stuff, I guess, or you know, performances or you know, little places here and there uh, before. But now he's just, there's a say, no, you're just, it's just, you're just not, you're not, you're not up for this. You, you, you know, so on the advice of his doctors, he stayed away. But it was, you know, heartbreaking. And my my uh, my wife's friend had posted about it. She'd been chasing, seeing all five members for the longest time. And she's disappointed and she feels saddened for what's, what Andy's going through. But, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. And they had a great time seeing it. So, so okay, so Durant, they go to see Duran Duran. They're inducted by or introduced or whatever by Robert Downey Jr. So they get to see Robert Downey Jr. All right, and so then... Uh, Duran Duran comes out. They play like three songs. Uh, then there's uh, let's see who else was up there. Uh, uh, let's see, Eminem was inducted. Dr. Dre did the did the introductions, and so Eminem is up there playing. And I think let's see, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith got out, got out there and performed with Eminem for something. We're not sure if Dr. Dre performed with him or not. I guess we'll find out. Amy didn't remember. But, um, okay, Lionel Richie, as I mentioned. Lenny Kravitz did the introduction induction for him. Uh, let's see. And Dave Grohl got on stage with Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters and Nirvana. He got on stage to play guitar and kind of sing along with uh, with Lionel Richie. And that's cool. I mean, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl's cool, right? So, okay, uh, next. Let's see. What else is there? There's Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar and her husband, uh, you know, they're, they're, they were there to perform, and she was inducted. And it was Cheryl Crow that announced her, and there Cheryl Crow did some performing. Uh, and there's uh, there's Judas Priest with Alice Cooper doing the introduction. I mean, Alice Cooper, how cool is that? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't think I'd ever go see Judas Priest in concert, but I would find that very fun, and Amy did too. Like I said, Amy doesn't particularly care for Lionel Richie at all, but she really enjoyed what he did. It's just He was great. You know, she just had a great time. Um, then there was what? Uh, uh, the Eurythmics. Eurythmics was there, and they were introduced by uh, The Edge from U2, 
I've, I've seen the, the U2. Amy hasn't. But <clears throat> now Amy can say, oh, I've at least seen The Edge. I've seen him somewhere. And then there were people in the audience, like Gwen Stefani was there, and you know, other people were in the audience. Um, and the big, I, see, if I gotten, uh, if I, see if I missed anybody before I go th any farther. The big, the big deal uh, was that, uh, oh, no, no, I won't get to that yet. Harry Belafonte was uh, was inducted. Uh, I don't think he wasn't there, and, and Amy didn't remember who inducted him, and she's not sure, but she thinks that Bruce Springsteen and John Mellencamp performed a a, a, a Belafonte thing. She thinks that's what it was. We'll find out for sure. But, she's, but she got to see Bruce Springsteen and John Mellencamp perform. Now, these are two artists that Amy and I we wouldn't, you know, we're not, you know, Mellencamp's coming to town, Springsteen's coming to town, not particularly interested, like a few of their songs, but just not particularly interested in them. They're not really in our wheelhouse, or not really, I'm not going to get all excited to go see them. If somebody says, hey, I got an extra ticket to see Springsteen, you want to come? I'd probably go. But in this, in the context here, says, you got to see Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and he performed. He did one song. You got to see John Mellencamp. He performed. He did one song. But you got to see them. And that's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's like, it, 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 I'm excited for my wife through this, even though I wasn't there. It, I, I hope we are able to watch the HBO Max thing somehow. Uh, because my wife was there. And then, of course, the, the big inductee, the big important one, other than Duran Duran, of course, was Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She was a little reluctant at first. She was, like, withdrawing her name, but her fans reached out to her and said, no, you should be in there. You do. You did have an influence on the rock and roll uh, and music in that. You you are important to that, so you should be in there, right? So she, okay, okay. And then she came up with this rock song that she played, and Amy said it was kind of cute, but, you know, whatever. But Pink, I think I think it was Pink that introduced her. Uh, that uh, and there was a, 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 I think Pink performed with somebody named Brandy Carlisle, who I don't know who Brandy Carlisle is, but I think she's fairly big in the country music scene. And uh, and then 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 there's the big finale where Dolly Parton's out there. She she did a few things and then she does the song Jolene, which is her big, uh, which is now her big song, her legacy hit, as it would, as you were as as you will. Um, she got out there, and then and the stage was filled with most everybody that had performed. They're out there singing along with it. It's just I I I was you know I was talking to Amy about this last night. He says yes, I know the expenses there, and Amy's like, well, you don't want to do big trips. I don't. Let's pay for this one before we plan any other ones. Let's get this one paid for, please. Uh, you know, let's do that. Uh, and and but it's just, it's not that I don't want to do. It's just you know the expense. Yeah, expense. But anyway. I said, I'm glad you did this. You had a great time. You did this. This was great. I, I'm I'm pleased as punch that you went to it. So uh, yeah, I I look forward to. Hopefully, we'll be able to see it. I'm not sure how, but hopefully, we'll be able to see it. So this is what a rained out, canceled concert led to. <laughs> it led to two shows at the Hollywood Bowl, and then it led to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And not only that. The night before, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, the night before, Amy and her friend got tickets to see the B-52s. And that I'm jealous about that. I envy that. That I would have liked to have seen the B-52s. I think they're on their farewell tour. Uh, opening for the B-52s was Casey and the Sunshine Band. Amy had a great time. It was a lot of fun. I just, I'm just thrilled that she actually did it. Uh, and it, I just it, seeing the pictures and hearing the stories, it's been great. So, hey, you know, what the hell? <laughs> a rained out concert led to some pretty cool stuff. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Okay, that's the end of another show. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. You can see talkradio.com. Uh, I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim, reminding you to sleep uh, well, to, uh, to be skeptical and all that. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And I'm reminding you to sleep with the lights off. I should see you next week. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. 
And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to hell. hell.